We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. Hey, yo, what's good, y'all? We recorded these episodes before all the news about COVID-19 broke. We wanted to let you know that we're here for you, and we hope that you enjoy these episodes and they can bring you a little bit of joy and escape in these uncertain times. I don't know how I'm going to talk to our boys about sex. You stole my soundbite because I was going <laughs> to say the same thing. Well, dead ass. Dead ass. Who's going to talk to them? Hey, I'm Kadeem. And I'm the guy. And we're the Ellis's. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take pillow talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. Alright guys, this story time is going to be extremely short. Because um, it is the microcosm of my sex education experience in my household, <laughs> right? <laughs> so at this time, at, at 15, I was still exploring, but not really having sex consistently. So had a couple of girlfriends, you know, we were doing some things. I was, you know, sophomore in high school. I was a late bloomer, so I was still like very, very young. Um, I looked very young, but I was still trying to figure out like, what is this thing everybody's talking about? And I had no one to really tell me. Um, one morning, walked into my parents' room to get socks. And my dad goes, hey. I said, what? He said, you know, I keep my condoms. I was like, yeah, in that bottom drawer. He was like, all right. That was my sex education experience. The end. The end. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember my uncle Kevin gave me a similar speech. Um, The speech went like this. Yo, when it rains, make sure you got your rain boots on. (laughs) Oh, the metaphors. And that was, that was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. But no one really talked to me the details about sex. And right. I, I kind of ended up figuring it out on my own, speaking right. to some older older cousins and older uh, dudes I looked up to. And I ended up figuring it out. And then... Um, now you're a pro. Am I though? You're a pro. You're a whole three, pro. Three kids later, <laughs> I should be a pro. I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> I know. Mine was very kind of awkward, you know, because my mom tends to be very awkward with like yeah. uncomfortable conversations. So at school, of course, because that's generally where you start hearing things. People start talking about, you know, sex and this and that and body parts. So I remember saying to my mom one day, like, so people talking about sex at school. What's that? And I was around about 13, um, which... I'm thinking nowadays it's probably really late to have a conversation yes, about sex. extremely late. Now with access to Instagram right. and YouTube. And then she started forcing—the conversation came up also, too, with, like, knowing your body and, like, 
when your period was going to come. So she ended up getting me a book that was kind of like talked about the body, menstruation, all that stuff. And then it kind of touched on sex a bit. And she's like, read the book and we'll discuss it. But the discussion was very kind of... Vague. Vague. Yeah. I know your mom. <laughs> and I just had to kind of figure things out on my own. Knowing my mom, you know how she was sweating bullets yeah. having this conversation with me. So things have to be different with our boys. Yes. So Kay picked this song, baby. Hey. Go ahead. You going to start it off for us? I think we should. It's so fitting. It's so fitting. Uh, uh. Let's talk about sex, baby. Uh, Let's uh. talk about you and me. What? Let's talk about all, all the, the good, good things, things and the bad things that, that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Hey, hey. Let's talk about sex. Uh, let's talk about sex to our kids. Hey. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> sex music. to our kids. <laughs> That's we're talking about sex. Scratch the record. Talk to the so y'all children already today. No, we talk about sex openly and often on this podcast. Yes, we talk about it in our relationship, uh, our sex drives. We even had an expert on the show to help us spice up our sex lives. Yes. So that's been an ongoing topic for us. But now that we have to prepare the way our boys approach sex eventually and sexuality as they get older, um, we have to have a different talk. Yes. And because Deval and I are both shook over this conversation, we felt the need to bring somebody in to help us get uh, a clear explanation on how mm. we can talk to our boys about sex and sexuality. We brought in an expert, Miss Antoinette Sully. Hey, girl. Hi, thank you for having What's me. What's going How on, How you doing, sis? Sully? Doing good, doing good. <laughs> One of my favorite characters from Monsters, Inc., Sully. Oh, no. Sully. Yes, yeah, Sully. Scully. It's Scully? Yeah. Like it's X- Scully, not Sully. Oh, my bad. Scully. Scully. Not Sully. Like X-Files. My bad. Oh, okay, okay, like go. X-Files. There okay, you okay, go. okay. There you go. I still love Monsters, Inc., though. It's a good movie. So Antoinette is a mother, an entrepreneur, and the co-founder of More Than Sex Ed, which is an organization which mission, which, oh gosh, let's say that again. Antoinette is a mother, an entrepreneur, and the co-founder of More Than Sex Ed, an organization whose mission it is to provide a comprehensive, inclusive, and fact-based, very important, understanding of human sexuality to children across L.A. So welcome, Antoinette. Thank yes. you. Thank, Thank you applause. so much Round for joining us so today. Great to be here. I mean, after Taval told his story and I told my story, <laughs> clearly there's this uncomfortable situation that occurs whenever parents have to talk to their children about sex. Do you think that's common? Do you, in your expertise, have you come across (laughs) those scenarios where you kind of had to intervene maybe to help parents like us give our children the talk? Yes. I, I think that it is so important that we start early, but because most people don't want to start early. early early? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Early, like as soon as your child starts to identify body parts early. Right. That's like three because Cairo already yeah. knows his stuff and my stuff and your stuff. Facts. I know that we don't have similar stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, for that's, sure. That's one of the first things is your opposite gender children right. will be like, oh, that's, right. that's, that's different than, right. than what I have. So clearly there's levels to this whole thing, of course. Yes, yes. Um, you don't dump... <laughs> you don't dump it all you know, right. three. Right. right, right, right. So um, would you say that there's kind of like a natural succession with ages that, okay, age groups, you know, say three to five or like, you know, six to eight, that there's certain conversations that should be had? Or do you kind of wait to see what your children brings your way? Or how do you kind of approach that? I think it's that? a little bit of both, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that 
I like to tell parents and that we sort of stick to is answer the question you're being asked. Mm. Ah, so don't provide any extra information. <laughs> right. Okay. But don't don't assume that the extra information is what they're looking for. Ah. Sometimes it's very much they have a very specific question, and once they get the answer to that, they're totally fine. Oh, and it okay. doesn't have so to it go that cut and dry too deep. Um, you know, if they're asking where do, where do babies live, mm-hmm. you know, they're not right. asking for like the whole process. Right. Gotcha. You know what's funny. I'm not afraid to speak to my kids about sex. I'm not afraid at all. I'm just afraid of telling them the wrong information at the wrong time. That's really what I fear. Like I have, I talk about everything to everybody. Right. So right. speaking to my kids about sex is not really right. taboo to me. Right. But I, I think do it's just fear. the idea of my children eventually having sex one day. It just bothers <laughs> me. I don't think it's the talk. But I'm just but like, think, oh my God, these little penises that my body grew eventually my are going to be like. Little? like they, they're going to hear this at well, one day. Well, you know what and, I mean? <laughs> Like, you can't do like, that to them. Like, I, I, like, grew these little people with penises, and then eventually <laughs> they're going to be, like, out there having sex. Like, yes. that just makes me shook to the core. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That I'm is saying? life. Well, let's dial it back, Antoinette. Tell us how you got involved in sex education, because clearly there's a market for that. It's very important. Um, so how did you get mm-hmm. involved with it, um, and why is it so important for you to talk about it um, openly? I definitely fell into it. Um, I am a part of a church organization that— created a Mm. sexual health curriculum, I mean, like, decades ago. Um, And so then in 2015, California announced that they were going to have to push sex ed through through schools, Mm -hmm. right? Like, from elementary school all the way to high school. Um, And my awesome co-founder, and who's the ED right now of um, More Than Sex Ed— she, Jill Herbertson, was actually really excited about being able to bring this curriculum that usually is only given to privileged white people mm-hmm. in these right. liberal churches mm-hmm. and push it out and make it more secular so that it can go out to schools across L.A., which is much more diverse than right. what usually you get in a Unitarian church. And so because we were already working together, um, I had already been trained on this specific program, this curriculum, it's called Our Whole Lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we call it OWL. So if I say OWL again, that's what I'm talking about, the okay. curriculum. Um, and so at that point, we thought, well, how do we get this from our small little section to out into the cosmos because right. more people need it. Right. Um, and that's where it happened. You know what's yeah. funny? Nice. Um, when we spoke to uh, Melissa Fredericks, um, Melissa, well, Miss Kev on stage, mm-hmm. she talked about how she grew up in a very uh, religious, strict religious background. And sex was so shaming that she felt like a deviant when she had questions. And she grew up not knowing a lot about her body and about sex and didn't know how to even be a wife because she was still learning herself. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you know, giving this information to young people, especially in the church environment, is helping them? I do, yeah. It gives people, it gives children a confidence in who they are because they can sort of work from the inside out, I guess you can think of it. Um, and to understand like, oh, my body does this and it's not scary or gross or, right. or abnormal. Wrong. Right. Yeah. right, you know, we have all of these questions Um and you're so afraid to ask anybody whether this is normal that you sort of just sit in that silence. And it's a heavy silence right. um, that can go on for years. Right. Or right? if it's not silence, it's maybe going to the wrong parties yeah. and maybe not getting the right information. <laughs> no, that's... Or someone who just may not know or just may not have their best interest at heart. 
Right. I mean, most people talk to the people in their own age group, right? So mm-hmm. a high school kid is going to talk to another high, high school, school kid. kid right. and if, you, right. if they don't have all the right information, then for sure, where are you going to go from there? Right. No, exactly. That's so, one thing, my bad, yeah, babe. That's one thing that it. I've learned uh, mentoring young men. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for the last 10 years, I mentored like hundreds of young men through Brooklyn through our sports performance program. But it was always a topic of sex education, drugs and alcohol. And what I have learned over the last 10 years that the people they deem to be deviant are people who lack knowledge and didn't have a safe space to talk about the things that they were wondering about. So they just tried things whenever mm-hmm. they had a chance to. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. people labeled them as deviants. And then once they got labeled as deviant, they just existed in that label and said, well, I'm just bad because I'm bad. So I might as well be bad. So it's funny to hear you talk about giving people this information I think it may be smarter if we give our kids information early, just like with the whole alcohol thing. Right. My dad let me sip beer when I was young. So because I had access to do it and my father really wasn't like, don't, don't do it. I really had no need to go out and become, you know, right. a secret closet drinker because I knew I could sip it right there with my dad. I yeah. feel like it's kind of the same So it thing. takes away the mystique around it. Like, oh, yes. my God. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh, it, it, it stops yeah. being mysterious. And right. it also turns into something that is part of your common knowledge, right. right? Like if you start early and you talk to your kids about their bodies and mm-hmm. then you talk to them about what their bodies are going to do and what that looks like over time, mm-hmm. then it doesn't become some secret thing that happens all of a sudden when you're 12. Right. For sure. Let's go back to your story with um, your dad and your uncle. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and where that kind of left you with, you know, your knowledge about sex. Like where did you go to after that to then find out about it? Um. Well, Well, at least at this point I knew that I had to wear a condom. Because right. you know, my uncle had my uncle had his first daughter, my cousin Portia, out of wedlock, and he made it very clear to me that if you if you want to raise a family the right way, you should be married and then have a child. So he made that clear. My dad made that clear. So I knew that condoms was a way to help prevent that. Um, watching porn, mm-hmm. you know, you you find out where the porn channels are and you try to figure out is that what I got to do. We've all been and, there. And um, yep. speaking to older older people on my block. My mm-hmm. older cousins, people that I looked up to that sure. were a couple of years older than me. I was a freshman in high school. And when I got to high school, that's when it was like middle school was when everybody was touching mm-hmm. and doing stuff. Middle school, right? High school is when people was like, no, nah, I'm having sex. <laughs> so now I'm 14 and I'm like, I got to find out how to do this. So like, where does it go? You know, so I'm, I'm a freshman and I'm asking seniors because I played sports. I'm like, okay, so I'm on the basketball team. He's on the basketball team. Him and his girlfriend talk about sex. You know, I asked him, pull him aside. Like, so... You know, I never had sex before. Like, what I what I got to do? And they'll, they'll, you know, like, oh, you never had sex? And then they'll clown you forever first. They clown <laughs> you for at least two years. They call you a virgin every day until you tell them that you had sex and prove that you had sex. But um, that's how I found out. It was older older dudes in my school. Yeah, very similar. And porn. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, the porn. I, You know, older cousins. I remember one of my cousins saying, like, if you're ever going to do it, just make sure that he wears a condom. That was, like, the biggest thing. Right. So I remember the whole banana and condom thing. I see that in, like, movies and it's everywhere. Like, just, you know, the accuracy of, like, the shape of the anatomy and whatnot. They come right. in different sizes, these right. bananas. But more or less, you have <laughs> right. an idea of right. how to put them on. Yeah. So that was, like, the main thing. Um, so you talk about sex education, Antoinette, in like um, the schools and at home. How important is it? To, like, Do you ever see a disconnect in that when you do speak to children, uh, you know, even in the church setting or something? Like maybe they don't speak about it at home, but it's offered in church. Like where do you think are the appropriate spaces for that? Um, we hope that all of the spaces are inclusive enough to let mm-hmm. kids say what they want and, you know, always um, 
try and have at least one adult that they feel like they can come to and kind of vent to um, and feel safe around. I find that if kids don't really have that connection at home Mm -hmm. to open up, they won't feel comfortable with that connection at school either. Mm. Um, Or or even, you know, extracurriculars. My kids are in Girl Scouts. I have girls. And so we find that that's also Mm -hmm. a space where a lot of the knowledge isn't there. Yeah. And so then the parents are like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about this now. And, you know, you're watching your kids grow up and you're like, well, we got to talk about this sometime. Right, right, right. Right, right. So, but ultimately it's important to start Feel, let them feel uncomfortable at home so they can feel comfortable somewhere else. Right. And that's yep. what we always talk about. I want right. my children to feel comfortable talking to me about anything. Even if they don't talk to me about sex, if they feel comfortable speaking to me and I know that they're speaking to someone responsible, at least they're open yes. to talking about it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. We have to make the kids feel comfortable. So right. you can't just scream at them all the time about <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, no, I get it. I Trust me, we, we, we worked on that on a previous episode about me. <laughs> <laughs> she, she says she gets it. But I'll be trying, guys. I'll be trying. But, yes. but I know when it comes to sex, I don't want you to make the boys feel uncomfortable. Well, no, no, no. That, that's, that's a topic that I think... I can be like that with you, Antoinette, and DeVal in the space, and y'all in the podcast universe. But when it comes to, no, my boys, I definitely want that to be a thing. And like you said, knowing when to introduce certain things. So like that's going to be something important for us because knowing that we have three boys, different ages, you have two girls, you know, making sure that we're not over-answering, yes. but at the same time, too, we're giving the appropriate information at the right time. But can I play devil's advocate? Mm-hmm. I would like to introduce my boys to certain things before they get another answer from somebody else. Right. You know what I'm I saying? I guess you know your own so, children's yeah. maturity level, too, and what they can handle. You right, know but what, what I'm saying is, is I don't want for them to ask me a question before I give them some information because they may never ask the question and they may get the information from somebody else. What do you think about that? I think if you, give, if you have a really nice foundation, right, like it, I'm— a hundred percent on board with when your kids understand their body parts, having the correct names for it. Okay. Right. And then you move that to consent and, you know, who is allowed to touch you in what places. Right. For sure. Right. right? Like for who's sure. allowed to change diapers, who's allowed to see you at the doctor's office. We started office. that young. We started that yeah, at three or four. We're very, very right. particular now, yeah. about And that. that is a precursor to how people interact when they have to deal with sexual context and content and things like that. Yeah. And so I still find that a lot of parents want to get it all out Mm -hmm. real quick because they're like, oh, we're talking about it? Let's talk about it. (laughs) And what the kids are really talking about or really asking is, oh, I had an idea about this one specific thing. Is it this thing? You know, they're looking okay. They're looking to find out whether their own feelings are validated. Okay. And so sometimes when we want to have those really tough conversations mm-hmm. really quickly or too soon, mm-hmm. it's not going to go anywhere anyway because yeah. they're not going to have enough of the context to, to, to really take in yeah. Yeah, what yeah. you want to talk about. No, for so sure. Is there like a book or something that I could like slide and introduce <laughs> them? Because There's so many. There's yeah, so I, many I books. And I mean, once that I had for my kids, and it was a little too soon, but it might be good for your 10-year-old, your How older How old son. are your two girls? So I have a just-turned-six and an eight-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. So we have an eight-and-a-half. Well, Jackson cool. will be nine in April. Yeah. So. Mine will be nine in nine, June. Nine, three, and two. So, so they're around the same age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids are super obsessed right now with Babies. babies and yes. people having babies. I am yes. too. I do I'm not want to have babies. more babies, so they keep asking. 
Oh, yeah, so y'all like the same person. No, they keep asking. Let's have more. And I'm like, no, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. good. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we you. read a lot of these stories that are like, let's make a baby. And mm-hmm. what's in there? Mm-hmm. It's about a family having another baby. Mm-hmm. And it talks about like the different gestational periods. Right. And what so the it's mom's the different going steps through. to which a baby right. eventually gets there, which starts with sex. <laughs> right. Most books at this age, though, do not start with sex. They uh, start with, hey... There's you need an egg and a sperm. Right. Babies happen. But we okay. don't know how they get there. We don't know how they get there. <laughs> gotcha. Then they save that for maybe like the, the 11 and 12-year-olds maybe or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's— Then they get um, more complex. There is a book called Let's Talk About Sex. It's really awesome. It's drawn, and so it's age-appropriate for, I want to say, 10 to 13 in that sort of middle school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like upper elementary, lower middle school age, um, where they're able to get these sorts of information, like oh, I feel this way, and these are the body parts I have, and this is how babies get where they get, you know. Right, okay. right. Um, gotcha. And so there are different stages, and I think if you start early, <laughs> right, um, you can work on this. My my mom was the same. I got a book. You got like a book. When I was twelve, yeah, I got a book. I'm getting a book, so books. I'm gonna start with the book. So now, <laughs> but let's start, fast forward. Start with a book. For your three-year-old. Right. And then, like... Of course. Have yeah. them read the books, and then they'll ask you questions, and you answer the questions they're asking. Right. And right. then you continue that as they get a little bit older. Wow. So, now let's get to the teenage years. Okay. Okay. Teenage years. When but we really quick, up, before teenage years, because I want... You touched on it just a bit, and I wanted to say, like, you're the mother of two girls. We have the three boys. So, the conversation about consent is extremely important. Yes. Um, to our children's future. Because yes. consent is everything. Yes. That's kind of the root of it. So it's like, okay, we know the body parts. We know their differences. Yes. And then consent is next. So how do we start to instill um, our idea of consent or the idea of consent as an essential value for them so that it becomes second nature? So the way that we do it at home is we do consent with everything. So it's not just about sex or sex or genitals or body parts or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's about everything, right? Like, oh, your sister doesn't want to be touched. She's saying no about her body. And I feel like that's one of the really standard ones. I'm saying no about my body Mm. in any way. And teaching boundaries. And teaching boundaries is really great. Or keeping hands yourself. Yeah. And so then that will extend to everything that they do. Right. And I, I feel like that's one of the ways that we normalize sex ed that we normalize talking about sex because we take consent to mean everything hey Mm. you're drinking out of my water glass i'm saying no about my water glass Mm. right right so the possession in that yeah for sure yeah i think that's huge because we often talk about molestation in our communities and how easy it is for a child to feel uh, like they have to have i have to allow an older person access to their body Mm. you know how you start with consent Growing up, right, you know how your parents would say, hey, give so-and-so a hug. Yeah. And if you don't feel like giving them a hug, like, didn't I tell you to give yeah, so-and-so a hug? hug. Mm-hmm. Allow your kids to not want to give people hugs Absolutely. when they're young so they can feel like they own their body. Right. This way, when an adult says you're supposed to do X, Y, Z to me, you could be like, no, I don't have to. I feel like that's a very important thing. And it's not a thing. matter of being rude either. No, you it's know, not. It just made, you know what? This child in this moment does not want to hug you because they have their own reasons right. for not wanting to. You know, And sometimes children, they're, they're telltale you know, are their own. They, yeah. Something could potentially be happening with an adult that they don't feel 
comfortable with. You know, in the previous right. times, they may have had to give hugs, and now they don't want to give hugs for whatever their reason is. Right. So, you and know. I think I think that's like a societal issue where we allow adults access to our children too easily by just forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. we can start by stopping that, I think that's that's the best thing we can do to protect our children. Because I know I definitely. I'm not doing that with my yeah, boys. Yeah, we don't do the hugs, the sitting on laps, like that whole thing is. Just, yeah, if you don't want to, then yeah. he's yeah. just that's 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 the mood he's in, mm-hmm. and that's amazing because that's one of the first parts to consent is feeling like you have autonomy over your own personhood right. and feeling like you can say, no, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to leave. Um, I don't want to sit here. Right. Um, and those will help a you know if if a five year old can do it. You know, think of how right. how amazing they may feel when something is wrong and they're 15 or For they're sure. 18. Absolutely. And they yeah. want to say, hey, I, I don't like this and I want it, this to stop. Right. Um, no, absolutely. That, that's no, awesome. it's. It's amazing when you have your own kids how differently you look at the world. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. things that didn't seem like a big deal. Right. It's like, oh, wow, there's an actual like. Now you understand, especially, yeah. you know, if I'm going to say if because I don't want to act like I have autonomy over your body. But if I have a daughter, right? <laughs> if, say no saying, to having another baby. My, my <laughs> daughter. Antoinette taught me. Okay. So, okay. So uh, Antoinette can pay your bills now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Antoinette did not. She didn't come here for that kind of work, Deval. I mean, you put it on Antoinette. She ain't come for all that. She ain't come oh, for the God. Amex bill. But um, if I have a daughter, the first thing I will teach her is... Her right to say no to anybody or anything, because historically we have often made women feel as if they're acting strange when they don't want to smile or let someone be around them. And I remember seeing this as a young as a young person, you know, smile, you're a young lady, be happy, smile, give hugs. And then it's like, dang, I got to smile and give hugs all the time. That leads to other things. And now that I have kids, and I always said to myself, when I have my daughter, I'm not making my I, And it wasn't until I had Jackson, who was a boy. And I remember trying to tell Jackson to say what's up to people. And Jackson didn't want to give fives at first. And I was kind of like, he don't got to give y'all fives. Then I started thinking, like, yo, if I had a daughter, would I tell my daughter to smile and give hugs? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. And it's crazy how your kids change your perspective on the whole world. And now I look at people different. Like, if I don't look at someone who doesn't hug, it's weird no more. Mm-hmm. You know, before I'm like, oh, they don't give hugs or they're right. like, oh, they weird. Now well, I'm like, usually if you meet someone and you go to hug them, they would like, I'm a hugger. It's all good. You know, and I'll say that sometimes because I'll go to hug someone yeah. naturally. And then if they're just not a hugger, maybe they'll extend a hand and I don't take right. offense. Right. You know, my so. move to L.A., I had to change that to be like hugs or handshakes because uh-huh. people aren't. Huggers. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's so, true. Do you think we should do that with our kids? We should, um, because I know I grab my kids As and I'm, I kiss my kids. Like I grab, I come in I do. And I, I kiss my kids. You know, it's really funny. I do. And I, I'll ask them. Like, hey, can I give you a hug? I mean, it's not as often as I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that they do the same. So my oldest will come up to me and be like, hey, mom, I'm feeling sad or I want some attention. Can I have a hug, please? Mm-hmm. And that helps oh. cut down on the running into my body and <laughs> attacking me. See, the I tackle just, at the knees. You yeah. just brought something else to my attention. The tackle at the knees. You know how they say kids don't understand personal space? If you... Not force, but allow your kids to ask permission to give you as a parent a hug. They'll understand personal space with strangers and other people. Because I've met some people, kids, who have, like, been right here. And I wanted to be like, man, get your kid on my face. My my six-year-old is... is 
you know? I'm not into personal space. <laughs> right. So but, yeah. you ever meet somebody's kid that you like, yo, this this kid like licked my face. <laughs> and they, their parent didn't say nothing. <laughs> and now I have a cold. Right. I, I, I have a cold. It's yes. coming on. <laughs> I think that I think that we should no, we should start sure. to apply that. You yeah. know, make you know, like, yo, you ask dad for a hug first. And it seems so impersonal when it's your kids, but it's also preparing them for society and life. And That's it also true. prepares them for for sexual intercourse with people, asking for permission, seeking permission, and then giving permission. I never thought about that till just now. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so let's fast forward like you wanted to to the teenage years. So um, we're looking at an article by USC's nursing school. This is 2016, so it's a, not so, date, so dated, but mm-hmm. it did say that the um, United States has higher rates of teen pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases than most other industrialized country, countries. Um, and this seems to be... Um, because of the lack of sex education in schools, um, the U.S. requires sex education in grades six, seven, seven through twelve, um, when other nations require it to be discussed as early as kindergarten. Well, there you go. That's there you See? go. <laughs> you just there you go. Then another survey that was done. Um, this is data from the National Survey of Family Growth. Female teenagers are more likely than male teenagers to first report receiving instructions on birth control in high school. So I guess that would make sense because females yeah. have the, you know. Because they're reproductive re- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, younger female teenagers are more likely than younger male teenagers to have talked to their parents about sex and birth control. Nearly two out of three female teenagers talk to their parents about how to say no to sex compared to one out of five male teenagers. Two out of five. Two out of five te- male teenagers. Wow. So interesting stuff there. Um so how does it happen with the teenagers who kind of don't know, um, you know, there's levels to experiences at that point. Um, what in your experience have you, have you, what in your experience have you realized with teenagers when it comes to sex and education? What um, More Than Sex says does is that we have classes for teens. Mm-hmm. And so we get two facilitators usually uh, male and female facilitators, mm-hmm. so we can kind of have that dynamic. Um, and then we allow the teens to be able to talk to each other and talk openly to the facilitators and ask questions. We allow them to ask questions anonymously in a question box. And so those right. questions get answered at the next me- session. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that way, you don't have to feel sort of weird right. about wondering if a thing is normal. But we find that when Teenagers are able to have these conversations with other teenagers present. They're much more open and engaged to being a part of the the conversation. conversation. Yeah. What I'm what I'm realizing just listening to you is that ultimately it starts at home. And we as parents, because every child has a parent. Like you know, nobody doesn't unless they're an orphan Mm -hmm. or they don't. But as adults, if you have control over a child, not control, but if you're parenting, there's certain things you should learn about how to educate your teenagers before right. even going into these environments so or that they even, can receive the information. Or even unlearning as a parent. Because you think about us as adults, we come with some sort of sexual baggage, to say, or of our own sexual right. experiences that then may right. impact how we speak to our children and what Definitely. we tell our children. So how can parents unlearn their own shame or their own personal sexual past and talk about sex and engage in healthy conversations with their kids? I think it's probably doing the research, being able to understand what you're missing out on if you, as an adult, don't even know how your own body works. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can't really explain that, right? My my eight-year-old is 
obsessed with the word puberty right now. She yeah. has no idea what it means. <laughs> right, right. She thinks it's a thing that happens to you and it's funny and it's goofy. But at first my husband was like, oh no, do we have to do we have to talk about puberty? <laughs> right, right, and right. I was like, no, she doesn't want to hear about it. She right. just wants to say the she word. Doesn't understand right, the, right, the right. word is yeah. funny. Right. And so when we get caught up in our own like baggage, as you said, mm-hmm. then we start to dump on our kids in a way that almost feels inappropriate. Mm. And so I really feel like parents, if we're get, getting these books to read to our children, mm-hmm. that's one of the first ways that you get all the information that you have, right? Mm-hmm. You get a different book and you read. Um, and just finding out more about your own body and how it works, how the process will work for children so that when they have questions, you can answer the questions accurately and and be able to... I guess give them reassurance that they're not alone. Mm. Right. For sure. So, so I guess, yeah, sorry. How would, how would you avoid, I know you heard the whole comment with T.I. and his daughter. Right. And what he said. How do you avoid as a parent? Because T.I. is not the only person who's done that. And he's not, he's not the only person. I know moms when I was training who Oof. were that invasive. Oof. I, know, I remember moms, I, I just mentoring young men and women and they were moms who were single moms and just like I take her and I check this because I want to make sure and how do you prevent any person a mom or a dad from being that invasive like what steps can they take to still be protective over their children without being invasive is there a level of privacy that happens because some you know old school black parents there's no privacy while you live in my house it's really hard I I I don't know if I personally could protect you know, all of these people, I would love to. And and the, the TI comment was really, really hard to deal with. And I think because there are enough of us who are sort of like, hey, this is this is not cool. This is not what we're doing anymore. Uh, I think the more that voices like yours and more that people see that there's a different way to do it, then we can start to get this sort of out in the atmosphere, right? Because if the only way you know how to do it is, oh, I'm going to give my 12-year-old a book about sex when... They're 12 and that's it. We'll never talk about it. Or, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about periods right. and now I have to do it. And, right. mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it, it, that continues because we don't have other people going, wait a second, there's a there's another way to do this. Right. We can totally do this. See that, And that's what I think we need more of, because as much as people wanted to jump on T.I. for what he said, there are a lot of people, if T.I. wasn't involved in his daughter's sex life and she was out there acting crazy, we'd be like, well, her father not there. So it's like, where do we draw the line from the public lynchings of being upset at T.I. by what he said and then understanding what he's trying to do? Like, me as a dad, ultimately, if I have a daughter, I don't know what extremes I will go to to protect her innocence. You know, I would rely heavily on her mom. I would because she's a woman and I would trust her. But ultimately, if and this is the sad part, if my daughter does end up going astray and does things that people don't seem to be socially acceptable, the first person they're going to blame is me. Is, yeah, right? So let's be mm-hmm. honest. Like we, yeah. As much as we want to hate T.I., people will blame the dad. And any girl who doesn't do as people think, they say they have daddy issues. Where do we draw the line as far as this is appropriate or this isn't appropriate with dealing with your teenage daughters? I think that we put a lot of pressure on teenage girls to have all the answers. Right. When, I mean, this is a two-person event, right? Absolutely. Like, if something happens, you you have to deal with both having a teenage daughter and possibly a teenage boy by someone else. Absolutely. And so, your story of 
as a boy being told where the condoms are and like that being the extent of it, I remember as the same as my brother. Mm. But like I got like books, right? I got a whole education on what was supposed to be happening and what was down and how it all worked in a much more comprehensive way mm-hmm. and not necessarily in a more open way, but right. definitely I the responsibility was, was put on, on me as a female to make for sure. sure that I don't get myself pregnant. <laughs> right. I kind of feel right. this. I, yeah, I feel you on that because it was the same thing. It was like, well, this is what you do to take control of your body. And I think that's why probably too, most females are on birth control early. Like I, I have, I know a couple people who have said that their teenage daughters, they just put them on birth control because it's like, okay, it'll help wow, with like... Wow, that seems like... Yeah, it'll help with like menstruation and regulating the period cycle, yada, yada, yada. That seems like But also, lot. too, it's like, just in case, God forbid, my daughter is not going to be getting pregnant for nobody. But you know what's crazy, though? You know how... And this is how ass backwards that may work. A girl says, I'm on birth control so I can have sex unprotected because I'm not going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, like, STDs, like people... STDs, STIs. And I remember in high school... Stuff. I remember in high school, there was... A couple of girls who were on birth control and their boyfriend's like, we don't need to use a condom. She on birth control. Mm. And I was like, yeah. I was like, dang, it like, happens. you know, I didn't understand what birth control was at that age. But now when I think about those comments and I'm just like, so you put your daughter on birth control so she don't get pregnant, but you're not protecting her from having unprotected sex with this guy who is having sex with other people. Right. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like. We're and doing I, half the work, right? We're, we're giving only just the information we want to give and then we're leaving out some right. factual um, information that keeps everybody safe. For sure. For sure. So we talked about teenage girls. Yes. Right. Ultimately, I'm going to have three teenage boys. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not worried about the consent thing so much because my father was very straightforward with me. The minute she says no, it means no. The minute she says stop. <laughs> It means stop. Because there was this whole thing about what if a girl says stop, but she really wants you to keep going. My father was like, if she wants you to keep going, she would say keep going. She says stop, then you stop. So I'm not worried about that aspect of it. I'm worried about how to make them be educated. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I want to educate them, but I don't want to over-educate them. (laughs) But they need to be educated and overeducated. And overeducated. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Because boys, boys need to be educated. And we put a lot of onus on the girls. But boys need to be educated. And it's like, I, I don't want to, you know, overgive them, overgive them. But I'm, I do not want to leave it to anybody else. I do not. I, I am afraid because I have a couple of, of boys who I think are very manipulative and they'll figure out who they can ask certain things. They'll be like, I'm not asking dad this. So I'll, I'll ask who I want to get the answer from. Hmm. How do I avoid that without tainting them <laughs> you know what i mean like well, i think the consent thing is is 100 percent the best place to go right like mm-hmm. it's you start with when someone says no it means no when someone says maybe that also probably means no, no. that like, means no there's you know, no like you don't, maybe means no right so one of the things i think that we try to do is we want to have all the answers but it's actually really nice to be able to let your kids feel safe with other adults. So if you have another adult in your family or in your community that you yeah. would feel safe with your children going to, let them know. And that way they won't get the misinformation. 
Right. They okay. won't find it out from one of their friends or they won't find it out from a dirty magazine. I don't know. Right. Do dirty magazines even exist anymore? <laughs> no, it's dirty YouTube. So, <laughs> so I mean, dirty.com. Right. But a good way to take some of the pressure off of you is to literally take the pressure off of you. Tell your children, I trust this other adult. I trust this person in my community. If you have questions that you are uncomfortable asking me, go ask them. Right. And then you have conversations with that adult. Right. Sure. You make right. sure that that adult give them the heads up and you have a, a rapport that you guys feel comfortable with the same information. Um, make it so that you build a community of people that your children can trust. Absolutely. I, I definitely so, I definitely understand you guys. Yeah. But I also am a boy and I was a 15 year old boy. <laughs> and anytime somebody gave me a list of people that I could speak to, I didn't speak to none of them. I was like, anybody who my parents told me I could speak to, nah, because my parents already got to them. I needed to find... You're but you're different, right? You. you guys are different. Like you're. Oh, we, I am different than my kids, but I know boys. And like mentoring <laughs> all these boys, they like they don't want to be anywhere near their parents. And I'm trying to find a way to kind of sneak the information to them, mm-hmm. you know, without. I think we'll figure it out. Though. That's what I'm trying to figure yeah. out. We're I was hoping well, they by gravitate the time, towards. By the time yeah. your boys need this, then there'll be this organization, more than sex ed, where they can take. Uh, you know, six weeks of healthy sexual education with other people that are their same age, boys and girls. Mm. They can ask their questions. They can feel confident in the work that they're doing. So yeah. we may have to opt into that. I mean, we could, but I, I've sat into sex ed classes when I was 15 before, and all I heard was Which vagina, was vagina, vagina, sleep, <laughs> no, it's sleep, so sleep different vagina, now. vagina, sleep, breast, oh, breast, vagina. Oh, that's pretty much what you do now, Deval. <laughs> vagina, vagina, sleep, sleep, breast, sleep. Yeah, that's why I'm married. That's why I got married. It's so different now. <laughs> but I can also imagine for you, just as we kind of wrap things up, we can touch on it, um, how complex sex education is now because, you know, we're talking about um, gender identity, um, identifying in different ways. Mm -hmm. So how do you... um, so talk to me a little bit about gender expression and I guess as a sex, as sex educator, um, do you think there's an appropriate age to start allowing your children to express their gender in certain ways or any kind of obstacles that you found when it comes to children um, deciding or vocalizing, I should say, their sexual orientation? Um, I've come to see that most of the obstacles when kids have a difference of opinion about that that's different than like the heteronormative, like straight Mm -hmm. Uh, gender expression is actually other kids. Mm. Other kids and maybe sometimes other adults that are like, oh, no, 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 you're totally not that thing that you think you are because you're too young. Um, And we never say that Mm. to kids that we think are straight. Right. Like ever, right? Mm -hmm. Like a five-year-old looks at a pretty woman, like an an adult woman and goes, oh, she's pretty. We're like, yes, she is, isn't she? But Mm -hmm. if a five-year-old girl did that, we would be like, "Uh, no, that's not how you feel about that. Mm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that we can do is to let kids express themselves in the way they want to without Mm -hmm. trying to take that away from them almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it'll happen. Right. 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 Um, And the other thing is to listen to them because, I mean, gender expression and gender identity, we're still sort of figuring out how we all fit into that, right? right? So, so even if you identify completely as straight um, and cis or like cisgender, 
you're still within the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. And we try to negate that for some reason and just say, oh, well, that person is trans, so they, they're the gender spectrum. Or, oh, that person is bi or that person's gay. So they're, you know, the only people talking about sexuality. Where we're all in it together. And I think that if we give that to our kids, because, it, I mean, if you've talked to middle and high school kids today, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Like, they know. I was I was going to be honest about they, that. They know. Like, they're there and they're in it and they're comfortable with it. They're comfortable with different pronouns. They're comfortable with, you know, wearing whatever they want and identifying however they want. It's really mostly adults. I'm about to say, I think we yeah. messing kids that up. Are, For sure. That are giving them all these ideas that, no, 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 you're too young. Like, don't wait it out. And right. they, they know. You right. know what's funny? Right? And it's the funny thing. The funny thing I think about gender and sexuality. Right? We as adults now want to put labels on everything and everybody, right? So we start messing people's head up. If you're a boy, you shouldn't wear, and I've heard men, I've heard men who say this, if you're a boy, you shouldn't wear tight pants. If you're a boy, you can't wear wigs. If you're a boy, you shouldn't wear eyeliner, right? But that same man idolizes Prince. And think about the irony in that. Prince, in this day and age, would be considered a freak, quote unquote, to all of these hetero males who idolize him for being himself. And then Prince loved women. So think about that. Like, we put all these labels on kids from young instead of allowing them to be who they want to be. And then once we put the label on them, we tell them what they can and can't do. But then idolize people who, we, if, we, if they were young, would have labeled them something different. Right. I feel like adults need to kind of chill out <laughs> when it comes to kids. And let a kid just be a kid. Like, just let a kid... Be a kid. And like you said, they get to middle school and high school, they're going to figure that out, especially with gender, because even as adults, we're still trying to figure out what the gender spectrum is. How do we label young babies when we don't know what the gender spectrum is? Because we're trying to figure it out. To me, it seems like we're working ass backwards. Like, I feel like we're trying so hard to figure something out that's so abstract that we're we're working backwards and we're, we're losing kids. Because once we put labels and we start pointing and saying, don't do this and don't do that, we're working, you know, we're losing trust. Right. The, the kids are starting to lose trust in us as sure. adults yeah. because they don't believe what we're saying. So when it comes to that with my kids, man, I'm just, my kids are going to be who they are. Nobody better come to me with what my kid is because I'll fight them. <laughs> serious. I'm, I'm so serious. I look at, I look at, I'm growing up. I loved Michael Jackson. Loved him. If you look at the way Ike Turner dressed, who Ike Turner was the biggest womanizer, the, the biggest, strongest heterosexual man. I looked at old pictures of Ike Turner. He wore wigs. He had a cut bob. He wore eyeliner. He wore tight pants with fishnet shirts. Could you imagine what Ike Turner would be called today? But people thought he was a man's man back then. It's like, I think we're doing too much. Let yeah. people be kids. I hear you on that. With, with that, just let kids be kids. You do, know? You, do you offer that at um, More Than Sex Ed? Like a, a, a complete open safe space for children to speak about that naturally, yes. But yes. children who are still trying to like figure out things yes. sexually, depending on whatever um, area they you know identify with. Yes, I mean, and, that, and that's why when you start early and you give children a, a place to really get mm-hmm. all of that out for themselves. Then as it changes, you know, they can say, "Oh, maybe I was this, and now I feel more drawn to this." Um, without feeling like they were wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It gives right. them space to open up and really dig deep and go, oh, well, this is this is who I am and this is what makes me feel comfortable. This is what I would want. This is how I want to be treated. And it creates adults that feel confident in themselves 
to go out and say, these are the kind of relationships I want. Mm -hmm. These are the kinds of people I want Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, Because it's all about relationships, right? right? It's all about how we interact with each other, whether that's sexual or not. Right. Um, And when we start with consent and move our way on to something much more intense, like sexual contact, um, then we're on the right page, right? right? They know where to start. Sounds good. Very helpful tips today. Yes, very, very helpful For sure. And for the record, I like you in tight pants, right? You like me in tight pants? I do. Because you like looking at my banana, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I see over there. Who's looking for the prince? This is second time today. Who's looking for the prince? No, last week you talked about my underwear. Now you're talking about bananas. You being fresh. You being fresh. You're a hot mess. You know, I think we need a break. (laughs) We need to cool this guy off. Yeah, you want to break? Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to move into listener letters after we get into some ads. So stick around. This for the record. There it is. A win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All-American, a new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. So now let's get into some listener letters. Antoinette is sticking around. And um, let's see what y'all hit us up with in the email box real quick. All right. All right. Here's the first one. First off, I just want to say, DeVal, you truly inspire me to be a better husband to my wife and father to my sons. Oh, that's what's up, bro. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. I love that. Just wanted to know if you had any advice on fatherhood. I have a three-year-old and a two-week-old, and I feel that due to not having any good examples of being a father, I'm unequipped to give them the tools to be upstanding men. Any help is appreciated. Uh, what's up, brother? First and foremost, thank you for your kind words. Um, I, I really appreciate them. The first thing I would say about fatherhood is that just asking this question means that you're going to be a great father. You acknowledge that you don't know everything. And one thing I learned from just sports was that the minute you think you know everything is when you have to realize you know nothing. So seek as much information as you can. We talked about it a lot on this podcast. Seeking information is the best way to pass information on to your sons. And for you, just spend time with them. Hug them, kiss them, tell them you love them, uh, and still discipline when needed, but also make sure that they know that they can trust their father for whatever they need. That's going to give them the confidence to be upstanding young men. And it's, it's that simple. You'll figure it out. There's no rule book. There's no you know, book to, you know, follow these guidelines. Love them as hard as you can. Um, give them that that discipline when they need it, but just let them know that they can trust their dad. Oh, that's really nice. 
I love when the guys write in because yeah, I man. feel like you know you're, a lot of our questions are normally from women, but um, when guys write in, but you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Though this is, wasn't a question posed to me, but I thought mm-hmm. the same thing. I'm like, for him to even write in about this and yeah. say, you know what, I don't know, I haven't had those examples around. Like, what's what are some tips? That already just shows me that you're going to be a he stellar dad. Yeah. yeah, he wants to know. You're going to be a stellar dad him. for sure, for sure, absolutely. So thank you for that one. All right. And the second listener letter, listening to your podcasts with Mr. and Mrs. Kev on stage. And the thing Miss Kev on stage said about purity really struck me. Wow, we spoke with that, kind of touched on that. Growing up, my parents did not talk to me about sex at all, other than it's wrong and just wait till marriage. So in my mind, I just settled on the fact that I'm okay. I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. Then it changed to, I'm not going to have sex until I'm with someone I have a real mutual love with. Mm -hmm. Here I am, 27 years old and single, trying to date in a generation who only believes in tender texting and sex on the first date. (laughs) Part of me feels like I've made way too big a deal about purity and being a virgin. There have been times where I felt that I should just do it and get it over with. Should I? The older I get, the more complex I feel about the situation and how it's becoming. I feel less in tune with my body as a young woman, and I'm starting to have increased anxiety about sharing my body with another person. And at what point should I tell a guy that I'm a virgin? Good thing we got Antoinette here because that's what I love. Because I'm not even going to try to mansplain oh, this. Wow. Y'all yeah. got to this. I don't, I, I don't even. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go oh, ahead. Oh, my goodness. Well, so, so 27, let's break it down. 27 years old. She's okay. been taught that sex has been wrong her entire life. She needs to wait till marriage. And now she's in a society where, you know, sex is casual. Yes. Um, and she kind of wants to know how to deal with this. Okay, well. I personally have a huge problem with the purity culture. It's very patriarchal for me in a way that women aren't allowed to really take care of themselves. Absolutely. Um, And so my advice would be to someone who might feel this way is definitely get to know your own boundaries, right? Like take away the boundaries Mm -hmm. that someone else has given you and really feel where you, where you stand. And if, once those boundaries are taken away, once you feel like, oh, well, this this is something that someone else cared more about than what mm. I care about, mm-hmm. then you really know who you are. And then, you know, right. maybe you might want to have sex. Maybe you don't want to have sex. And that's fine. Right. right? So it being more taking, taking the power away from the parents or whoever has instilled this purity mindset and just saying, okay, what do I want to do? Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. And then when you have that, and this goes back to consent, right? Mm -hmm. And you meet someone who might want to have sex on a first date, and you can say, that's not for me, right? Right? Maybe you want to have sex on a first date. Maybe you want to be a part of the same sort of tender culture. I'm not really sure. But I would say the best thing to do is really find out where you stand, not where your parents stand, not where society even wants to put you. Right. So taking away the levels of, I guess, shame that is surrounding it or that's been placed on her about right. it. Yeah. Because now she's asking the question. And it's funny. Um, it's not funny, but I was thinking about a little pre-conversation we had about this topic with one of our producers, Tribble. And she said the conversation that her mom had with her about sex was nobody's going to do you better than yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody's going to do you like you do yourself. Yes. 
So shout I mean, out to Mrs. Triple. Triple. Um, so can, can I interject? So I wonder. Real quick? I wonder if I was just saying. I wonder if she's been exploring her own body to see what she likes and what she doesn't like. Maybe that can take some of the edge off or not. I don't know because I wasn't 27 and a virgin, so I'm not I sure. I will say this to uh, piggyback off what Antoinette said. I think it's important for her to figure out what she wants. If she wants to exist in the Tinder culture and be free sexually, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. People live in, by different moral codes and different moral standards. As long as you're living truth to yourself, you're fine. But if she does want to exist in the purity culture, need be it for us to judge her. For sure. Because there are also men who live by the same standard. For mm-hmm. example, like Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. who said he wasn't going to have sex until he got married, and he did right. it. And this is a world-famous, world-class athlete who... Could have had his choice of any woman at one point. He was like the the greatest football player ever out of Florida who chose to stick by his own moral code and mm-hmm. to stay pure in his own right as a man to find a woman to get married to. So oh. there are men out there who exist in that same culture if you choose to. I so, wonder if right. there's apps or like, not app, well, apps. Purity like, apps? We should invent it. Purity. <laughs> Sis, get a purity app and see who else is in the same boat as you. Purity by dead ass. <laughs> Whole nother ad. Whole nother app. <laughs> but there I'm wondering if there are spaces for people who share like that like minded or, you know, way of Christian life. mingle. Probably. Right. Yeah, Just yeah, because yeah. you're I mean, Christian I, doesn't mean that you're you're practicing purity or yeah. a virgin. But I agree have- with you. I definitely agree that it has to be your own choice. Right. Right. Like, so if, if Tim Tebow decided that that right. was him and he felt confident in that, yes. then that's fine. Yes. But your listener doesn't feel like she feels confident in it. So right. it has to be your right. own You're right. Because she value. said growing up, my parents. That's true. That's it has said. to be your values. Right. And once you become set in your values, then, you know, all of the anxiety goes away. That's, I mean, that's the, you know what's funny? That's what it all boils down to is that this is your own person and you owe nobody else. Facts. You owe nobody else anything. Facts. You can do what you want with who you want with yourself mm-hmm. or with someone. Like, that's just the bottom line. Right. As and long you're as you choose yourself. You know, she's not 17. She's, you right. know, she's 27. She can make her choices. So. All right. Nice list of letters. Thank you, yes. Internet, for helping us out with no that. No problem. Thank Much you. appreciated. Um, and if you out there want to be featured as one of our listener letters, be sure to email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com and send us a nice little story, a little context, so yes. we can try to give y'all our two cents. All right. So, Internet. Tell everybody, one more time, recap where they can find you, your handles, websites, give them all the tea. So when they want to set up these sessions with their kids and you, you know, we can get them popping. Oh, my goodness. So if you want to find classes in the L.A. area, both for schools and um, independent classes, you can go to more than sex ed. And that's sex ed with a hyphen in between, sex ed, dot org. Um, my personal handle. <laughs> you want to give us the personal handle? Just the business. You could do that because if your inbox might get blown up oh, on DMs. Oh, no. <laughs> I would say give them the business. Give them the business info. Give them the business info. Actually, you can probably just email. That would be best. That would be best, yeah. Let's do that. So the email they can find through the website. Yes. More than sex hyphen ed.org yes perfect Antoinette yes. was about to give out her, her phone number <laughs> if you're looking for me at 718 Antoinette thank you so much thank you yes, thank you, thank so you. Much. much appreciated all right moment of truth time we had a very loaded conversation yes. today about the birds and the bees and the babies not the babies, babies, but our babies. No, but the but it, it does start with the babies because something that I learned, it was like a light bulb that just went off. Did it? 
if you start with permission with your children by teaching them personal space, how to respect other people's personal space, but how to gain respect for their own personal space, everything else will probably be very, very simple. Mm. You know, something simple like is like, hey, don't just run up on me and give me a hug. Right. You know, let's talk about it first. Right, you know? right. Hey, Dad, can I give you a hug? You For know? sure. Hey, Cairo, can I give you a hug? Hey, Jackson, can Dad give you a kiss today? Just by asking those questions will create a culture where they will understand what consent is and what it isn't. And we're not even just talking about sex. We're talking about consent for touching, consent for anything. Right. And that's huge for the beginning basis of sex education. No, absolutely. It's giving them the autonomy over their person. Like, yes. this is what I will allow and won't allow. And then giving the same respect to other people, knowing absolutely. that it's not okay. No, for yes. sure. That's dope. Um, I think my moment of truth is knowing that it's never too young to start the conversation mm-hmm. with the kids. And, um, you know, starting from, you know, very early, you know, two and three where Chiron and Kaz are um, with just body parts, identifying what they are, using the correct names, and then age-appropriate conversations thereafter where you start to slowly put things into context, but in a nature, in a manner, in a time frame where they can actually absorb it and understand it, um, I think is going to be very important for us moving forward with the boys. Um, So I look forward to teaming up with you, joining forces. Give me a handshake. Give me a handshake there. There we are. And if you approach someone in the street, you know, meet someone for the first time, maybe ask them, are you a hugger? opinion first. Or do you want a handshake? Hug or handshake. Yeah, hug or handshake. So we're handshaking today because the way you be acting about the birds and the bees in our own bed, I don't know. No, we're going to constantly disagreement later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Be sure to follow us on social media at Kadeen I Am. And I am DeVal. And if you're listening on Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Deadass. Deadass is a production of Stitcher. We are produced by Jackie Sojiko and Denora Pena. Our executive producer, T-Square. Our associate producers are Tribble and Kristen Torres. Our chief content officer is Chris Bannon. Our studio engineer and original music is by Brendan Burns. And last but not least, we are mixed by Andy Christens. We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please. <laughs>